am the light of the world. Starting in verse 21, we see a contrast in life and death. Starting in verse 31, and we're going to talk about this in depth next week, we see a contrast in freedom and bondage. Toward the end of the chapter, we see a contrast in honor and dishonor. This way of teaching that Jesus has is consistent. The way we see Him teaching us in chapter 8 is consistent with really the entire Gospel of John. We've talked about this before. We've talked about the difference or the contrast in the temporal and the eternal, and the physical and the spiritual. In chapter 1, again, we learn about the contrast between light and darkness. In chapter 2, we learn about the contrast between the physical and the spiritual when Jesus is asked to provide something physically and He says, you know what? I'm really not here about the physical. I'm here about the eternal. I'm I'm here about the spiritual. I'm here about the kingdom of heaven. In chapter 3, Jesus goes into great detail in his conversation and his interaction with Nicodemus. And the thrust of that conversation is, hey, Nicodemus, there's a difference in physical birth and spiritual birth. There's a a contrast that you got to be able to kind of get a handle on. Chapter 4, with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he begins to teach her about the difference between physical water and spiritual water. Chapter 5, there's a lame man. One of my favorite lessons, one of my favorite contrasts in the Scripture when Jesus begins to teach us about physical solutions and spiritual solutions. Jesus' message was so consistent over and over and over again. He drove this idea home just like we have done over the past few months as we have studied the Gospel of John. But the people didn't seem to get it. In John chapter 8, you're going to have to give me a little time as I flip through uh, my Bible. John chapter 8 and verse 25. The people said to Jesus, Who are you? This is, this is in the third year of his earthly ministry. They say to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. My message has been consistent. My message hasn't changed. In the 47th verse of John chapter 8, it says this. Jesus says, whoever is of God hears The words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I've been telling you from the beginning. I've been telling you for three years now. I've been telling you that I am God. I've been telling you that I am light. That I am life. But you don't have ears to hear. This is so interesting to me because it's 
It's as if Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of heaven, there's this language. And in the kingdom of the world, there's a different language. I'm speaking from the language of the kingdom of heaven. And you're hearing me from the language of the kingdom of the world. And it's not making a bit of sense to you. We ought to be able to relate to that in our culture, here in our community. There are really two dominant languages, right? There's English and Spanish. And, and, and we're, we're around the Spanish, those who, of us who speak English, we're around Spanish enough to maybe recognize a few words when people are speaking in Spanish. You know, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, and hola, buenos dias, comprende? <laughs> but when we start trying to interpret with this, this vague understanding of the language, we can get ourselves in trouble. And I think that might be what was happening in this first century as Jesus was speaking a different language than they were able to understand. It's easy to misinterpret. It's somewhat familiar. It's words that they've heard before, but they were having a difficult time really understanding what his message was. This, this really becomes apparent as we look at John chapter 6 and John chapter 7, right? John chapter 6, he's speaking in the language of the kingdom of heaven, and he says this, I'm the bread of life. He says, if you're not willing to eat of my body and drink of my blood you can have no part of me. Now, listen, I, I want to tell you that if you're not hearing that with ears and understanding the language of the kingdom of heaven, that's not going to make any sense to you whatsoever. And so, so many that were listening to him as he spoke these words didn't understand. And some were mystified and some became extremely angry about it. They were confused. Chapter 7, he says, I am the living water. In the, in the middle of their celebration of God's provision of water as the people wandered in the wilderness, Jesus stands and says, I am the living water, and if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. And they didn't understand. And they became more and more confused. Listen, folks. Here's the point. The point is, we're different. We're supposed to be different. Those who have relationship with Jesus are supposed to be different from those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of this world. It's a whole different language. It's a whole different way of living. Different, different from what? Different from the world. 
different from those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're supposed to be different. I'm going to turn over a few pages to the 17th chapter of John. And this is Jesus praying for you in the Garden of Gethsemane. In John chapter 17, and I believe it's the 14th verse, Jesus speaking to the Father about you says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you, Father, to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You get it? I mean, Jesus is speaking to the Father, and He's saying, you know what? There's kind of two cultures here. There's the kingdom of heaven, and there's the kingdom of the world. Those who have come to Me, and those who have believed in Me, they make up the kingdom of heaven. And they're different than the kingdom of the world. It says in Romans 12, you know this, right? Romans 12, 2, do not, speaking to believers, do not be conformed to this world. Here's a, here's a question for your life groups. You all meet together and you want to discuss some things that the Holy Spirit is teaching us on Sunday morning, ask yourself this question. Should we as believers try and fit in? And be, be careful. Give it some thought. And discuss it. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because, but because you were not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world will hate you. Ouch. We're different. There's so many other scriptures. I, I, I think of Matthew. I, I think of the Sermon on the Mount. You, you know what the Sermon on the Mount was about? I mean, the whole idea behind the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus saying, I'm ushering in a new kingdom. I'm ushering in the kingdom of heaven. It's here now. And it is so very, very different. It's different in lifestyle. It's different in attitudes. That's why he starts the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. Attitudes that we are to be. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Happy, joyful, blessed are these. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. That's a different message. 
in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to make this distinction, continues to make these contrasts. There's a new way of doing things. I'm ushering in the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm telling you that if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. That's different. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. I'm telling you, if you have hate in your heart for another, you've committed murder. In the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5 and in verse 13 through 16, here's what Jesus says. You, believer, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're the light of the world. You're different. You come into this darkness. People notice the difference. Why is it important that we be different? It says here in Matthew chapter 5, for God's glory. So that God gets attention. So that God becomes famous. So there's a spotlight on God that people begin to see a difference in our lives. They see the difference that Jesus can make. God receives glory. What are some of the differences that we ought to have in our lives today? What are some of the differences that people ought to be able to see in our lives today? What are some of the contrasts in 2015? Well, it's Father's Day. So let's talk about the home. How should we be different in the home? Who's seeing us in our home? Well, your spouse is seeing you. Your children are seeing you. Do they see a difference in your life? Do they see a difference when you're behind the wheel of your car? Is there a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world? Is there a difference in those who know Jesus and those who don't. and They, they see you. They, they know you have relationship with Jesus. Is it evident? It ought to be different when we're playing. It ought to be different at the office. It ought to be different when we're at Publix. It ought to be different. There ought to be a difference when we're at the ball game. You know where these differences should start? They should start in the home. They should start in our relationship with our spouse. They should start in in the home when we face unexpected difficulties. They should start in the home when when we determine what we're going to talk about. 
They should start in the home when we're, we're dealing with finances. There ought to be a difference. There's a distinction in Scripture about the way a believer handles finances and the way an unbeliever handles finances. Our, our spouse, our children, those in our home, they ought to be able to see there's a difference. There ought to be a difference when, in the home when we, when we consider church and whether or not we should go today and, and how should we worship and and those kind of things. There ought to be a difference in the home. Listen, folks, listen. Your children know. They see. The question is, is that do they see a difference? We can tell them that it's important that we put God first, but they know whether or not you do. We can tell them it's important to worship, but... They know whether or not you do. We can tell them to serve, but they know whether or not you do. We can tell them that church is important, but they, they know whether or not church is important to you. We can tell them about the Spirit and, and, and the fruit of the Spirit. and They know. They see that. How can we be different? Jesus Jesus transforms a life. We place our faith and our trust in Jesus and a, and a life is transformed. And I have no doubt that there are many sitting in this room who have experienced God's forgiveness and God's transformation and you know Jesus. You're a believer. You're a Christian. And yet, we struggle with being different. How, how is it that we can be different? Well, I think there's only two ways. Number one would be the power of your will. I'm going to be different. I'm going to work harder at it. I'm going to make a commitment again. I'm going to be different. That's one way. I've, I, I've done that. You've done that. Is it working out okay for you? Another way is what Jesus taught us when we studied last week in John chapter 7. Here's what he said. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He said that speaking of the Holy Spirit. So there's either the power of my will or the power of his spirit in me. How can I be different? How can I allow his Holy Spirit to control me. Surrender. Give up control of your life. Here's, here's what he says. When my spirit controls you, here's, here's what will be reflected in your life. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Goodness gentleness, kindness. Is that your home? Is that how you are behind the wheel of a car? Is that how you are on the golf course? Does that, is that the distinction of your life? Would you like it to be? I would like it to be. You know, one of my greatest fears, this is one of my greatest fears, 
is the difference between what I say and what my son sees. I want him to see Jesus in me. There's only one way that he can do that. If I'm surrendered, if the Holy Spirit is in control of me, if his fruit is what's manifested in my life and his fruit, his fruit is seen by my son in my life. This is, uh, this is, this is Jesus' grand plan for presenting the gospel to the world. It's his grand plan for presenting the gospel to this community. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the world. How is that? Because people are going to be able to contrast your life with theirs. Because people are going to be able to see the difference that Jesus makes in a life. This is what missions is all about. One of the differences is, is the, for the believer, when we think about leadership, we think about serving. That's what leadership is. Jesus was the perfect example of that. There's never been a greater leader in all of the world than Jesus. And, and one of the things that, that we identify in him, one of the characteristics of his life that stands out above all of was he was a servant. As a matter of fact, he said, Hey, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. The greatest leader of all time. And so God calls people and he, and they, and he, and he says, I want you to go and I want you to serve. I, I want you to serve in such a way that, that, that people see a difference in your life. That, that they're drawn to the Father because of the difference that they see in your life. I, uh, I want to mention... the tragedy of last Wednesday night. The evil, the darkness that entered into a place of light and took lives. And I want to talk about this church in Charleston, South Carolina. I think they're different. I think I saw a difference in them. When, when those who were directly impacted by this tragedy that we heard about on the news Thursday morning, and when, when they had an opportunity to speak to the one who had taken the lives of people that they loved, their, their conversation was about love, and it was about forgiveness, and it was about second chances. And I thought, wow, what an incredible testimony. That was different. I was drawn to that when they interviewed the college-age son of one of the women who was killed. Do you know what his message was? Love always wins over hate. <laughs> that was different. I was drawn to that. I believe the world was drawn to that. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he goes, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who die. Because I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve. But we don't grieve like the world grieves. 
Jesus said, a peace I give you, not as the world gives. There's a difference. Is there a difference in your life? Let me invite you to stand. Pray with me if you would, Lord Jesus. If there's not a difference in my life, if there's not a difference in our lives, here's my prayer. That we would not leave this building feeling okay about that. That you would disturb our spirit. That you would disturb our soul. That you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. That you would give us a hunger that other people might see Jesus in our lives. And Lord, let it begin at home. Let it begin with our spouse. Let it begin with our children. Let it begin with our neighbors that they might see the fruit of your Spirit in our lives. That our lives would be characterized by love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and kindness and self-control. May that be our lives. Lord, if that's going to take place, we need your power. You had promised us that you would give us your power and the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And you gave us clear instruction, surrender, give up, die to yourself, hand the controls of your life over to me. Lord, we do that today. If we are going to reach this community for you, Jesus, it's going to have to be a spirit-controlled thing. It's going to have to be spiritual. It can't be physical. So we stand before you today. This is a, a moment of decision. We surrender all. We give you ourselves. Transform us is our prayer in Jesus' name.